Joshua chapter number 23. If you're there, say amen. 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 We'll be baptizing Timothy in autumn after the service. Amen. Thank you for visiting with us this morning. We'll read this, we'll pray, you can have a seat, and uh, I'll give what the Lord put on my heart, and we'll go right into that. Look at verse number one. It said, it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders, and for their heads and for their judges, and for their officers, and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. You have seen all the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even of the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. You shall possess the land as the Lord your God hath promised you. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that you come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them but cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, but as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Else, if you do in any wise, go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your side and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. And behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. And you know all your hearts and all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. Here are all are come to pass unto you and not one thing failed thereof. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all the evil things until he hath destroyed you from off this good land, which the Lord your God hath given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods, and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you. And ye shall perish quickly from off the good land, which he hath given unto you. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, again for this morning. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for grace, and thank you for mercy. Lord, thank you for the song service this morning. God, it's prepared our hearts. Lord, we've worshiped you. We've praised you. Lord, we sure are grateful that you passed by. We sure are grateful that you're good to us. We sure are grateful, Lord, for those prayer requests, God, that we've prayed that nobody else has heard. God, you did. We thank you this morning that it's still by the blood. It's still Calvary. It's still the resurrection. It's still you this morning, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this morning you'd work in our hearts. 
I pray, Lord, this morning if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior. Lord, through the song service alone, God, they've heard the gospel. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd work in their hearts. God, would you draw them to yourself and save them by your grace. I pray, Lord, this morning for those of us who are here, Lord, we know what it means to be saved, for we are. I pray, Lord, you'd work in our hearts this morning. Help us to listen on purpose and apply this truth in our everyday life. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. We pray, amen and amen. You can have a seat this morning. Joshua chapter number 23 is Joshua's last, almost his last charge to his people. He's come to grips that he's old in age and he's come to that understanding and he's, he's gonna tell them something here in 23 and then chapter number 24 is that very familiar verse out of Joshua's life, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But here in 23, Joshua's gonna uh, give a truth to them that I think applies to every Christian this morning and I'd like to tell you where this sermon came from, where the, the thought process comes from. We were here Friday night for our men's meeting and Brother Jacob was doing the devotion and I was listening and he made a statement in the middle of his devotion about being disciplined. And right there, I was sitting there, I, I wrote down a statement, it, it came across my mind and, and I don't really very often get good statements and so I thought it was a good one so I wrote it down. And I wrote this down, if you will not be disciplined, you will be disciplined. If you will not be disciplined, you will be disciplined. And here Joshua is bringing the nation of Israel together and he's telling some, them some things that they, they need to be disciplined in doing and observing and following. That word discipline means to train oneself to do something in a controlled or habitual way showing a controlled form of behavior or a way of working. Can I say there's some things in the Christian life that you and I need to be disciplined in. In essence, we need to do it over and over, not out of routine, not out of ritual, not out of some religious exercise, but because it is beneficial to our Christian life. It is beneficial to our relationship with God. It, it helps. Blesses if we're disciplined in these following areas. Notice by introduction this morning, he, he told him to be disciplined in the devotion to the word of God. Verse number six, be therefore very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law. Uh, he said right there, be, 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 have a disciplined devotional life, not just flip open the Bible every now and again, not when everything is okay, not just when, when you, don't, you finally have enough time in your day, he said, but you need to have a disciplined relationship to the word of God. Uh, how disciplined are you in your relationship to the word of God this morning? How often do you open up your Bible? How often do you read God's word to you? Can I say this morning, there's only one person that says, I love you to me better than my wife. Say, so hold on a second, preacher. Who could that be? Well, it's God himself. Preacher, how in the world does God tell you that he loves you? Well, I can open up from Genesis to Revelation and to find out that he wrote his word, he wrote his word for me. This one reminds me that he loves me. And can I say this morning, we need to be disciplined in our devotion to the word of God. There ought not to be a day go by where we have not spent some time in God's word. Then he said they need to be disciplined in their discernment of direction. Verse number six, at the latter half of it, he says that you turn not aside there from to the right hand or to the left. 
He's saying you got to stay the course. Keep your eye on the, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. And here's what I wrote down. I said most people, and sometimes I'm in this category, when I lack discipline, I lack direction. I'm bumbling through the Christian life, bouncing from one place to the next without any real direction. I'm easily, I'm easily sidetracked. I'm easily led astray. I'm easily hunting a rabbit that I have no business hunting. But when I am devoted to the word of God and I'm disciplined in my discernment of direction, God is not the author of confusion. He said, I will lead thee in the way that thou should go. And can I say this one? I'm glad he's a, he's a great leader to follow after. But we need to make sure our eyes are upon him. I remember when I was in high school and I worked at the Augusta National during Master's Week and I was, I was a litter boy. I got the wonderful job of picking up trash in the prestigious grounds of the Augusta National. And I worked the fifth hole, uh, or fifth green, the sixth tee box, and I we had put a trash bag right there on the ropes that the players walked by. And anytime someone we wanted to see come by, we'd run and change the trash bag real quick so we could be close to them. And about that time, there was a big swarm of people coming. It was Tiger Woods coming from the, the fifth green. He was headed to the sixth tee box. And all of a sudden, I said, oh, no, that bag's got to get changed. It's real full. And I ran over there, and I was, I was fumbling with that trash bag and, and taking my, I wanted to do it right. I, I didn't want to make no mistakes. I was, I was making sure I, I pulled one out and put the right one in, and here he come, here come Tiger Woods. I got a yellow jumpsuit on. I've got a yellow hat on. I've got a head the size of Wisconsin, and here he comes down this way. And with all my excitement, I said, hey, Tiger Woods. He didn't blink. He didn't turn his head. He didn't say, hey, young man, hey, young fella. All he did, his eyes were on the tee box. He was mumbling something to himself. He didn't even give me the time of day. Why? He didn't travel all the way down to Augusta to tell some little 18-year-old kid, hey, who was changing out of trash bag. He came down to win the Masters. He had a purpose. He had a goal, and he was not going to let anything sidetrack him from that purpose. And can I say we need some of that in our Christian life? We need to be on purpose, disciplined in the direction that God wants us to go doing what God wants us to do, the discernment of direction. He said they need to be disciplined in their definite separation. Look at verse number seven, that you come not among the nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of their, the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. Notice there, he said you need to, be, you need to have some separation and not, not, not hazy separation, not kind of separation. He said you need to have a definite separation. Matter of fact, don't even let the names of the gods come out of your mouth. Don't you serve them. Don't you bow down to them. Don't you hang out with them. Don't you spend time with them. They are merely in the land, but if you follow me, I will give you the land that they are standing on is what God's telling them. He said, but you gotta be separated. Discipline isn't just necessary for the, to do the right things. It's necessary to abstain from the wrong things. We always talk about doing good, doing good, doing good. But can I say part of the Christian life is saying, that ain't right. I'm not going to have no part with that. I'm going to flee from the appearance of evil. It had to be definite separation. The reality of peer pressure, it's a real thing. That's why you need to choose your friends wisely. Peer pressure is a real thing. Choose the right peers he said they need to be disciplined in their separation, in their direction, in their devotion. They need to be disciplined in their determined closeness. Look at verse number eight. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as you have done unto this day. Here's Joshua saying, he said, as of right now, y'all been doing good. Y'all been staying close to him. Y'all have been cleaving unto him as you've done unto this day. 
But Joshua said, "There's going today's great, but what about tomorrow? And what about the next day? How many of us have either testified or heard somebody say or testify in church that there was a time in my life where I used to be real close to God? We can take you back to a time and I can take you back to a place where I was real close to God. Let me ask you, what happened? What happened? Why are we okay with saying, well, it used to be real good back then, but it ain't like that no more. Are you okay with that? Is that how you want to live your Christian life? Preacher, what happens if you get too close to God? There ain't no such thing. <laughs> you, can, you cannot be too heavenly minded to be of no earthly good. The closer you get to God, the closer you want to get to him again. And the closer and the closer, that's how it's supposed to be. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is you can't get so close to God that you reach the limit. He said, all right, now back up now. You're too close to me. God ain't like me. I love my youngins. Right, I, I, I defend them, I, I feed them, I put a house over their head, I, 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 I get them their education, that they, I go through all those things, but there's sometimes they just get too close. Give me some space. You stink. I'm tired. God ain't that way. God said, get as close to me as you can. And you find out you can get closer. He said they need to be determined in their closeness. These aren't to be chance encounters, happenstance, every now and again experiences. This ought to be constant and consistent in our Christian life, but that requires discipline. That requires discipline. These things aren't gonna happen accidentally. Right? These ought to be encouragements that take place consistently in our Christian life through a disciplined life lived for God. Quickly, I wanna give you three results concerning a disciplined life. Here's what I want to preach on this morning. I want to preach on this thought, the dangers of an undisciplined life. The dangers of an undisciplined life. Notice number one this morning, we will see the results of a disciplined life. We're going to eat our meal backwards this morning. We're going to, we're going to start with our dessert and get to our veggies at the end. Can I say you need them? I need them this morning. Notice the results. Number one, the results of a disciplined life, verses 9 through 11. I've never been real big on sales pitches. Salespeople, car salesmen, any salespeople. I always feel like they're trying to tell me something that I really don't need to know. They're trying to tell me all these facts and all this kind of stuff. You go to buy a car and they'll, they'll, they'll put their hand on the top and they'll say, you know, this car was voted the safest car in America. And I want to ask them, that literal car? or that same style of car, right? Because if it's that little car, I'll, I'll buy it, but if it was the same style, how do you know they didn't mess up on that one and the one they sent to the factory or for the, 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 the testing was the one they put all their time into? I'm one of those, just give me the results. Just, just tell me the truth, put, put the results on the table and let me make my own decision. And here this morning, we see some results of a disciplined life in verses nine and 11. And then we'll see some results of a undisciplined life. And then finally, we'll see the dangers, the real danger of an undisciplined life. 
Notice number one, the results of a disciplined life. Notice the conquered foes, verse number nine. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, but as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. Notice this, what kind of foes were conquered? What kind of enemies were conquered? The Bible says great and strong enemies have been conquered by Israel, really been conquered by God as they follow Israel. Let me ask you this morning, do you have some great problems in your life? Do you have some strongholds in your life you can't fix, you can't solve, you can't figure out. Can I say this morning, learn to be disciplined in the things of God because when you're disciplined to the word of God, to prayer, to church attendance, when you do what God tells you to do on a regular basis, you're putting yourself in the position to get the answer in the need that you have to be met for those strongholds to be defeated, right? For those great problems to be solved. Jesus said it this way in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you that, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Notice there he said you might have peace. If, right? You might have, in essence, it's, he's offering it to you this morning. He possesses it. He's willing to give it to you, but you cannot go about your own ways doing it because here's the thing, in the world you shall have tribulation. Listen, if you've got problems, if you, I'm not trying to make light of them or trying to make your problems smaller than mine or bigger than mine, but we all have problems here this morning. If you've got a problem, welcome to planet Earth. Our life is full of them. Right? Our, our life is, is consisting of them. He said, you shall have tribulation. He said, but I have peace for that tribulation if you'll just come to me. If we're disciplined in our relationship with Christ, there'll be foes that can be conquered. Verse number 10, notice the amazing victories. One man of you shall chase a thousand. Can I say, physically speaking, I ain't that man. Preacher, we're gonna put you up against a thousand people. We're gonna see how you're gonna do. What in the world did I do to deserve that? Right, he's saying right here, but he's saying, verse number 10, one man shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. The amazing, the amazing victories. One person dedicated to the Lord, allowing themselves to be used of the Lord can have a greater effect than a thousand naysayers. God can use someone who's disciplined in their witness for Christ far better than he could do for a thousand men who stand against him. That's the God that we serve for the Lord fighteth for you. A disciplined Christian takes his place behind and under the authority and the power of God in his word. A disciplined Christian can gain, uh, doesn't gain physical strength or, or become a superhero, but rather a disciplined Christian realizes, I can't fight this battle. I can't win this victory. I might as well get underneath and behind the one who can. Can I say, well, as we were growing up, I had an older brother who's two years older than me, and every now and again, we'd find ourselves in some situations <laughs> where we were playing football one day out in the yard with some neighborhood kids, and one of our friends declared blitz rules. You don't know what that is. That means there are no rules. And he hauled off and kicked one of the other kids. And all of a sudden, we went from football to fighting. About that time, I remember my brother, he got a, he's got a head just the size of mine. And he hopped out in front of me. And he started dealing with old buddy. We called him old buddy with the Ernie shirt. He looked like Ernie from uh, Sesame Street. 
They started going at it. What'd you do, preacher? I just stood back behind them. He was handling his own. I was going to let him fight the battle. I was trying to be spiritual. This is not my battle to fight. This is my brother's battle to fight. But can I say this morning, when we get in our right spot, in our right place, under the authority of God and his word this morning, he will fight the battle for you. How do you know, preacher? He said he would. He said he would. And you'll see some amazing victories. You'll say things like this. I was completely outnumbered. There's no way I should have came out of this. There's no way I should have survived this. There's no way I, I, I should still be breathing, but God fought the battle for me. But it takes a disciplined life to see that. The conquered foes, the amazing victories. Verse number 11, a clear testimony. He said, take good heed therefore unto yourselves. Verse number 11, that you love the Lord your God. A disciplined Christian produces a clear testimony. You look at them and say, there ain't no doubt they love the Lord. They, they love their Savior. We often look at the wrong things to determine this, right? We look at how well they sing. We look at how, how, how loud they preach. We look at how dogmatic they are on certain issues. We look at this, we look at that. Can I say the, the, the sign of a, a good, disciplined Christian is that they have a clear testimony that the Lord is working in their life. Let me ask you this morning, do you have these results of a disciplined Christian in your life? We see the results of a disciplined Christian. We see the results of an undisciplined life or an undisciplined Christian. <laughs> Growing up, it was, I grew up in the 90s and rather towards the end of that, they, they began to produce a lot of commercials on smoking. Right, I, I remember the Marlboro Man. I remember Camel commercials. I remember seeing those in my early years. And, but I remember something switched Rather, they began to show the results of what could happen to you if you smoke for all your life. And here's what their, 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 mind ta their, their mentality was, is that we can show them the end result. It may keep them from ever starting. I remember watching guys with traits in their throat, talking by machines and barely being able to breathe and cancer and all these different kind of things that were tied directly to smoking to the point where I said, you know what, that ain't for me. I don't want to experience that. I don't want to, I don't want to go through that. I don't, I don't want to put myself in that position. Right, and sometimes when we look at the word of God, like we will this morning, we're going to see the results of an undisciplined life. And my heart this morning is that you have the same heart that I have is I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for my family. I don't want that for my children. Here we're given the results of an undisciplined life, verses 12 and 13, so that we don't even start down that road or quickly repent and turn back if we do. Notice the sad backsliding of verse number 12. It says, else if you do anywise go back and cleave unto the remnant of this nation, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, to go unto them and they unto you. It doesn't matter how you start going back. Just know it leads to the same results. It doesn't matter what, what causes you to start backsliding. It all leads to the same result. There's a contradicting adherence. Verse, early in the chapter, we told us to cleave unto God, verse number 8. But cleave unto the Lord, verse number 12. Now we're cle they're clinging unto the, cleaving unto the remnant of these nations. It's a contradicting adherence. You start getting close to the things that God had once removed out of your life. Taken out of your life on purpose. You're, Ten years ago, you were shouting the glory because God took it out of your life. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting close to it again. You're cleaving to the thing that God once took out of your life instead of cleaving to the one who took it out of your life. 
a contradicting adherence. There's just a compromising covenant and shall make marriages unto them. Last time I checked, marriage is a choice. Marriage is a choice. Last time I checked, sin is a choice. We choose to sin. You choose to be obligated to that person. When I married Miss Becky all those years ago, there wasn't a gun to my head. There wasn't someone in the background saying, if you don't say yes, we're going to take your life out. Can I say, I stood here as a willing man. I stood here as a, a man who wanted to marry her, and I'm grateful that I did, and I'm thankful that I did. But can I say at the same time, there's been some things, I like to blame it on the devil. I like to blame it on so-and-so. I like to blame it on them over there. But really, I made that choice. A comfortable or a compromising covenant. You start to feel obligated to choose those things which are wrong. You'll begin to believe the lies of the devil. Well, there's no way I can get out of here. So I might as well get all in on it. I might as well not even try to go back to church. Might as well not even try to read my Bible again. Might as well not even try to pray again. God don't want me back. He does. He does. How do you know, preacher? First John 1, 9. What's it say? Go read it. You'll find out how much he wants you. A compromising covenant. Comfortable complacency. And go in unto them, verse number 12, and they unto you. What once bothered you and grieved you, now you're comfortable being around it. It doesn't bother you no more. You're all around it, and it's all around you. The results of undisciplined life. Notice the sad backsliding, but notice verse number 13, the certain forsaking. Know for a certainty, verse number 13, that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. The backsliding leads to completely walking away. It is not God forsaking you, but it is you forsaking God. God said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But can I say sometimes we will make the choice to say, you know what, Lord, I'm done. I'm walking away. Notice the backsliding leads to complete walking away. Notice the loss of power will no more drive out. God didn't lose his power. You just quit desiring it. You quit asking for it. You quit looking for it. You quit seeking it. There's a loss of power. There's a loss of perception. Snares and traps unto you is what verse number 13 says. But they shall be snares and traps unto you. The only thing worse than knowing that Satan has traps set for you is knowing that he does and you're still falling for him. When you begin to walk away from God, you lose discernment. You lose perception. And you know the Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices, speaking of Satan. We know his ways. We know his motives. We, we, God says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But the moment you and I begin to turn back from that and begin walking this way away from it this morning, we're walking into traps that we know are there. We're willing to walk right into them. A loss of power, a loss of perception, a loss of peace. Scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes. I don't know about you, but talk about a painful experience. I've never had a thorn in my eye. I've had a finger in my eye, but not a thorn. Could you imagine that every time you blink, it's there? I would not say that's a peaceful situation. In the moment you and I begin to turn our backs on God, we live an undisciplined Christian life. And it starts with backsliding that we completely walk away. You will forfeit the peace that God has for you. You'll live a life full of worry, discouragement, despair, depression. The list goes on this morning. Knowing good and well that you don't have to. 
And here's the thing this morning. He said, well, preacher, I find myself there. What do I need to do? You need to come back to Christ. You need to come to him this morning and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for not being disciplined. Lord, I'm sorry for backsliding. Lord, I'm sorry for walking away from you, Lord. And I'm going to agree with you, Lord, it is not a fun life to live. It is not one full of peace and joy and excitement, Lord. I'm done living this way, Lord. I'm coming back to you. Here's the thing this morning. I can't pull you that. I can't pull you back. I don't have the ability. The prodigal son, the Bible said he came unto himself before he ever started headed home. You're going to have to do a real good self-evaluation this morning and say, what I'm living is not what I'm supposed to be living. And Lord, I'm tired of living like this. Lord, you've promised me. The, the prodigal son said, it's much better for me to go back to my father's house and just be a servant than to be a son. And can I say this morning, when you come back to him humbled, you come to, back to him genuinely, you come back to him, you repent of it, you get it right, you get, it, get all, of that, that, all of that squared away. Can I say this morning, he doesn't put you down. He doesn't put you away somewhere. He loves you like his son. Because that's who you are if you're saved by the grace of God. You're a son or a daughter. The results of an undisciplined life. Let me ask you, are you willing to become a disciplined Christian before you experience the results of an undisciplined life? We see the results of a discipline, point number one. We see the results of an undisciplined life, point number two. Number three this morning, we see the real danger of being undisciplined. Turn over a couple pages to Judges chapter number two. Go down to verse number six of Judges chapter number two. See, Joshua tells you about the personal effect that it'll have on your life. But can I say we do not live unto ourselves? There's always somebody watching us. There's always somebody coming after us. And our undisciplined life will not only have a personal effect on us, but watch what it does for those who come after us. This is the real danger of being un undisciplined. A Christian who, who plays the part, a Christian who, 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 who is nominal at best. There is no prayer life. There is no relationship to the word of God. There is no soul winning. There is no sharing the gospel. There is no uh, learning truth. It is just nominal at best. Look at Judges chapter two, verse number six. And when Joshua let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance and possessed the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathares in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all that the generation that gathered unto their fathers. Look at verse number 10. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord. Which knew not the Lord. Somebody in there dropped discipline out. It was good for Joshua. It was, so preacher, what was the difference here? Joshua had seen God work with his own eyes. He could go back to the Red Sea. He could go back to the Jordan River. He could go back to Jericho. He could go back to Rahab and the spies. He could go back to the things that he witnessed with his own eyes. And he said, if God was willing to do that for me, I'll give him my life. I'll be disciplined. I'll lead Israel in the way that they should go. And that's what Joshua did. 
And those who were with Joshua, those who seen the Jordan River, those who seen Jericho, those who had seen what God could do were right there with Joshua living a, a, a disciplined life. But then there arose a generation who did not see Jericho, who did not see the Jordan River, who did not see God do those things. They just simply heard about it and something, for some reason, they lost their discipline. Sometimes we lose our discipline because we feel like we can't see God doing anything. We feel like we can't see him moving in our heart and moving in our lives and, and answering our prayer requests. But can I say he's there? He's working. He's worthy of our discipline this morning. Here's the thing this morning. If I were to go backslide, get off into sin, forsake God, walk away from all this, can I say I'd probably be extremely miserable? Why, well, I love what I get to do. I'm honored to be a pastor. I'm honored to preach the word of God. I'm honored to serve the Lord. I found a great joy in what I get to do for God. But can I say I'm just as capable as you are of losing my discipline? Walking away from God and leaving it all behind. Go get me a job somewhere and make some money, do all that kind of stuff. And I, I can have everything the world has to offer, but I won't have no peace. I won't have no joy. And no doubt it'll have a personal effect on me. But I don't think I'd be able to bear Raylan coming to me and say, Daddy, why'd you quit? Daddy, why'd you stop? And then her to say, well, Daddy, if you quit, there ain't point, no point for me starting. There ain't no point for me even giving it uh, the time and the effort. And to watch TR come up, Daddy, why'd you quit? Shiloh, Daddy, why'd you quit? Your children, preacher, why'd you quit preaching? All those things you said, preacher, if that's really how you feel about it, I'm not even gonna serve the Lord. I'm not gonna do anything of that kind of nature. And there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. Don't just be disciplined for your personal benefits, but be disciplined for those who come after you. Maybe here's one said, Preacher, I haven't been. I haven't been. What do I need to do? Apologize to who, those who's, who it has affected. See, a lot of times we get our hearts right, we get everything right, and we expect everybody else just to understand, just to get with the program. But can I say an apology goes a long way? You may have to sit down with your children. You may have to sit down with your family members. You may have to sit down with some people that you know and say, listen, I got slack. I got undisciplined. But I've got it right with God and I apologize for whatever effect it's had on you. Let's make this right. Acknowledge the issue. And then ask for their accountability. Help me to never go that way again. Help me never say those things again. Help me never live that way again. Hold me accountable. Go to my kids and say, if daddy ever comes to you and say, listen, we ain't going to church tonight. They have all free reign to ask why. Why? Hold me accountable. Let me ask you, do you want to be responsible for raising up a godly generation or raising up one who doesn't know God? Preacher, how do I do that? How do I raise up a godly generation? How do I encourage those who are coming after me? Live a disciplined Christian life. One day in and day out in the word of God, praying, attending church on a regular basis, being where God has placed you at. 
Hebrews 10, 25, still in your Bible. Forsaking not the assembly of ourselves together, even so much as, you, or as that last day is approaching. We're still commanded to, to worship together. We're still commanded and instructed to read our Bibles, to pray, have communion and fellowship with God. Let me ask you this morning, are you living a disciplined life? Who following after you? What example are you setting for them? One of undisciplined or one of a disciplined Christian life? This one, let's all stand this morning.